President Biden downplays the Holocaust with a tweet that takes Jews out of the picture. Come on, man. The D family continues to inspire a nation, but how do we cope with the pain? The real Hadassah is here, and she has some inspiring words for all of us. Don't miss it. And spoken word artist and Nazir. Ari Lesser is here. Yes, you heard that right. He's a sworn Nazarite. What does that even mean? Well, we'll talk to him soon. This is episode 102 of the Weekly Squeeze. I'm your talented and humble host, Kamala Music, coming at you from the land of Israel. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for subscribing to my show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, for leaving comments, for rating, for joining my WhatsApp group, and for letting me know that this is your favorite podcast. It's certainly my favorite podcast probably because I spend so much time working on it. (laughs) It is Wednesday morning. I'm actually going up north tomorrow with a group of gals from my neighborhood for a retreat, a quick 12-hour retreat up to the Tzafon. We're going to go to Tzfas. We're going to go to Mayron. We are going to explore and just have a grand old time experiencing the land of Israel. So I'm recording this podcast today on Wednesday. It is a very, very hot day. Boiling hot, as a matter of fact. It will cool down over the evening and into the weekend, so that's good. Look at me. I'm a meteorologist. (laughs) I'm just saying it because my flowers are dry, and that is a concern. As you know, I'm a gardener. (laughs) All right. Yesterday was Holocaust Remembrance Day, Yom HaShoah. I stepped out onto my porch at exactly 10 o'clock for two minutes as the siren blared across Israel. There was a bus driving down my block. The bus stopped. There was a woman walking down the block. She stopped, and I stood on my porch, and I said a capital of Tehillim, a chapter of Psalms. I shed a tear, and I thought about the six million Jews who perished in the Holocaust, including my great-grandmother, Hannah, who I was named after, her son, Janusz, her grandmother, my maternal great-aunts and uncles, and six million Jews. So what did President Biden tweet, you might be asking? Well... It's really hard to believe. How do you mess up a Holocaust tweet? It's fairly simple. Now, I just want to point out that Holocaust Memorial Day is actually in January. Yom HaShoah is specifically for Jews, for victims that were Jewish. But I guess President Biden did not know that. Someone forgot to tell him at breakfast while he was eating his runny scrambled eggs. He tweeted out, on Holocaust Remembrance Day, we grieve the six million Jews and millions of other innocent lives lost during one of the darkest chapters in history. We can't redeem the past, but we can commit to building a future where we uphold the values of justice, equality, and diversity. Okay, we need to fix that, my friend. We need to tweet out something that is more specific and focused on the actual Jewish people who were killed in the Holocaust. So let's try this. On Holocaust Remembrance Day, we grieve the six million Jews. That's it. Lost during one of the darkest chapters in history. Fine. We can't redeem the past, but we can commit to building a future where we fight anti-Semitism and support Jewish people. That would have been more adequate. Come on, man. You can only imagine the responses to this tweet. I mean, essentially, President Biden, he just all lived matter, the Holocaust. He used the tweet as an opportunity to talk about world peace. Now, the Holocaust, the Shoah, it was the genocide of European Jews. The Holocaust <laughs> is a Jewish thing. Can you just let us have our Holocaust? That would be great. This is not an all lives matter issue. Every victim of injustice is equally worthy of mourning. Yet the Holocaust was at root about hatred and the industrialized murder of Jews specifically. Yeah, so he managed to mess that up. But here in Israel, we celebrated or we paid our respects in such a beautiful way. I mean, the country was absolutely 
united in their mourning for the six million Jews. There were so many meaningful programs. My daughter had a program at school. She sang in the choir. There was a tekes where Bibi Netanyahu spoke, and they honored Holocaust survivors, and um, it was powerful. And every year, I'm reminded how lucky I am to live here and how close I came to not living here because my grandmother barely survived the war. She was smuggled out of the Warsaw ghetto by her Polish nanny. And Baruch Hashem, thanks to that woman's bravery, I am here today, and I am here doing this podcast from the beautiful and hot land of Israel. So, yes, Yom HaShoah passed without incident. Oh, what am I saying? Never mind. There was actually a terrorist attack on Yom HaShoah. Two Breslov guys, who Baruch Hashem were not uh, severely injured, were shot up at in their car while they were driving through Yerushalayim. Now, last night, my husband and I were driving Yerushalayim, and I I just kept thinking, well, I guess this is the new thing, shooting into people's cars, because it works. And when something works and Israelis are killed, well, the terrorists, they spread that along and everybody gets on board. And now they are shooting into cars, which is kind of terrifying. But Baruch Hashem, no lives were lost. A couple of Arabs were killed in a violent incident around the country. But who cares? I don't care. Let them all kill themselves. All right. Speaking of American politics, Kevin McCarthy is to visit Israel to become the second U.S. House Speaker to address the Knesset. He's going to be here April 30th, and he's going to speak to a delegation of 20 lawmakers. He's the first speaker to address the parliament since Newt Gingrich in 1998. Newt Gingrich is a... Big supporter of Israel. So yeah, McCarthy will be here with 20 other House Democrats and Republicans. He'll be here April 30th. He will address the Knesset the next day. And uh, I will bring you that. I'm sure it'll be a powerful message. There's so much going on in Israel. Everybody's at each other's throats. Everybody has an opinion. Every single politician worldwide has weighed in on what's going on here and why and how we are or are not a democracy. Absolute ridiculous notion. Uh, but Kevin McCarthy, he's been supportive of Israel. He tweeted out that Prime Minister Netanyahu is an Israeli patriot, statesman, and most importantly, a great friend of the United States of America. Free societies have vigorous and open debate. Israel is no exception. I support Prime Minister Netanyahu, and America's support for Israel's strong, vibrant democracy is unwavering. Kol ha-kavod. I love when people come to town. I love the tourists. We were in Yerushalayim last night. We saw all kinds of groups. It's exciting. Israel feels alive. Ron DeSantis is actually coming to town as well next week as part of his precursor to his bid to becoming a Republican nominee in the 2024 presidential election. I just downloaded his book. I have not started reading it yet or listening to it yet, but they say it's a pretty good one. So, kola kavod to all these American patriots who are coming here to show their love and support for the land of Israel. That's right. Yeah, so Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaTzma'ut, all important days to remember that Israel was founded as a homeland for the Jewish people in response to centuries of persecution, culminating in the horrors of the Holocaust. Yeah, the Israeli government, they, they, they have their issues, but they do put a strong emphasis on the security of its citizens. You know, thanks to our military strength, our international diplomacy, Holocaust education, and immigration, Israel will remain a safe haven for Jews all around the world who are at the risk of suffering persecution or discrimination just because they're Jews. And on the topic of Holocaust education, this week was March of the Living. I never went to March of the Living. I am chalishing to go um, and experience that myself. Like I said, my grandmother's a Holocaust survivor from Poland. If you don't know what March of the Living is, it's an annual educational program that brings Jewish people from all around the world to Poland to bear witness to the Holocaust and to commemorate the millions of Jews who perished in World War II. 
It takes place typically in late April, early May, around Yom HaShoah, coinciding with Yom HaShoah and Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmut. Um, participants travel to Poland. They visit concentration camps, the ghettos, and other significant sites of the Holocaust. It is the largest international educational program focused on the Holocaust. High school students go, college students go, Holocaust survivors go, Israelis go, politicians go, celebrities go. And it is a very powerful reminder of the atrocities committed during the Holocaust. It's an opportunity for Jews to honor the memory of those who perished and to reaffirm their commitment to never forget. That's right. And to work towards a world free from hatred and intolerance. Ali Wiesel has been on March of the Living, the Nobel Prize winner and Holocaust survivor, the author. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late Supreme Court Justice, she was there in 1993. Steven Spielberg was there in 1994. Bernie Sanders was there in 2016, but he's an old man. He probably forgot the experience. Prince William participated in March of the Living in 2017. And Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook founder and CEO of Meta, participated in March of the Living in 2008. This year's celebrity was Karolina Bilauska, a Polish model, television presenter, and Miss World 2021. Miss World, a Polish blonde woman. She was there. She told um, Israel National News that it's the third time she visited Auschwitz. And every single time she comes, she can't believe what she sees. But she knows that every survivor always says that what they want is the whole world to know about the Holocaust and to pass on the history of it. For Polish people, she says, it's very important because it's not only part of our land, but this is a big part of our story. This year was the 35th year of the March of the Living, led by 40 Holocaust survivors alongside more than 13,000 participants from 25 countries all around the world. Now, the question is, how many Holocaust survivors are there actually left? I actually have the numbers for that. But first, another familiar face in Poland this week uh, attending March of the Living is Doe Foreman. Doe Foreman is the author of Lily's Promise, a award-winning international bestseller about his grandmother, his grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. May she live and be well. And we hopefully will have Dove on the show to share the incredible story that he wrote into a book about how she survived Auschwitz and her personal experience, how she found the strength to live. Lily is 98 years old. Pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, she fought to stay alive as a prisoner in Auschwitz. She made a promise to herself that no matter what she would go through, she wouldn't forget, and she would tell her story. She's 98, Kanai Nahara, and a TikTok sensation. This is what she had to say about the shocking, devastating terrorist attack that took the life of 3D women from Efrat. I just heard the news. A beautiful British family was just killed in Israel for three reasons. The only reason that they were born Jew for Jews. How can we stop that? That something terrible like that should not happen again. Because we have to do something against it. We cannot let to getting on that they kill our people for no reason. Now the question is, how many Holocaust survivors are left in Israel? There are 147,199 Holocaust survivors living in Israel, but don't let that fool you. A Holocaust survivor is even somebody who was in utero during the end of World War II. According to this particular study that was issued by Times of Israel this week, the average age of Holocaust survivors is 85. 
with around 30,000 over the age of 90 and 462 who have lived for over a century. The youngest Holocaust survivors are aged 76. 521 Holocaust survivors immigrated to Israel from Ukraine in the wake of the Russian invasion. Haifa is the home to the largest number of Holocaust survivors in Israel, followed by Yerushalayim and then Tel Aviv. 63% were born in Europe. 37% are from countries of the former Soviet Union. 11% from Romania. 5% from Poland. 2.7% are from Bulgaria. 1.4% Germany, Czechoslovakia, and France. An additional 27,765 survivors are from Morocco and Algeria, where they suffered discrimination and harassment under the Nazi-allied Vichy government. That is a fact. Over the past year, Israel has spent 5.6 million shekel on survivors, one in three of whom live in poverty, dependent on food donations. That is the fact. And that is why I'm always happy to work with Israel 365, an incredible organization that helps provide nourishing meals to Holocaust survivors. I will share a link in my show notes so that you can contribute if you so feel. If you feel like Yom HaShoah passed and you didn't do anything concrete to remember the day, I'm going to put a link in my show notes so you can contribute to Israel 365. The money goes to Holocaust survivors. They are a great organization. I know them all. I know Tali. I know Sam. I know Hadassah. And they're good people doing good things for Holocaust survivors here in the land of Israel. A link will be in my show notes. Today's episode of The Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by Swing It Playsets. Are you looking for the perfect playset for your backyard, the perfect swing set? Look no further than Swing It. They've been selling vinyl playsets since 2003 and have designed and installed over 25,000 sets all over the U.S. Their playsets are handcrafted in the USA, built to last a lifetime, and even come with a 20-year warranty. It is summertime. You want your kids outdoors basking in the sunlight. Well, you're going to need a decent swing set for one that is safe, durable, and worth every single penny. Reach out to Swing It. They will send a representative to work with you, create a custom gorgeous set that fits all your needs and desires. They'll come to your house, measure and plan, offer you modern colors to match your backyard landscaping, blue, green sets, whatever you want. Pop a color in your backyard. It's all an option with the gorgeous play sets that Swing It will customize for your family. Their process is simple. Share what you like, leave the details to them, review and tweak the 3D model they make for you, and yet have it delivered to your house. They will cover everything from start to finish, and you will have a gorgeous swing set that your children can enjoy for years to come. So head over to my show notes and click on swingit.com. All right, we have two great guests today that I want to get to as soon as possible. But first, let's just cover some miscellaneous news from around the world. Move out of the way. It seems like a cow has decided to try out its shopping skills. In a bizarre incident on Tuesday afternoon yesterday, chaos erupted at a store in Moshav Imunim near Ashdod in southern Israel. A bovine, a big fat bull, reportedly from a nearby farm. Well, where else would the cow be from? I mean, it could be a free-roaming cow. There's plenty of those uh, on the hillsides here. Whatever the case is, this cow ended up in a home appliance store where he uh, scared the living daylights out of the customers. I mean, it's not every day that a massive cow ends up shopping aside you in an appliance store. I will say that this is not the first time. If you go down south and stay in one of the beautiful Bereshit hotels, you might end up with an Ibex in your hotel room. That's a video that went viral a few months ago. Um, remember the raccoon that scaled a skyscraper in Minnesota? I don't either, but apparently that happened. Or the goat that ran loose in Brooklyn subway station? 
that sounds like a party. It's not as bad as some of the other things running loose in the Brooklyn subway stations. Um, yeah, seems like animals are fed up with their mundane lives and they are trying to add some excitement to the mix. Luckily, the cow was eventually wrangled and removed from the store without any injuries. We can all breathe a sigh of relief knowing that the shopping trip of the cow ended without any serious beef. Have you ever lost a kid in public? I know the experience. It was July 4th. I had a double stroller in Macy's, the biggest store in the world, in Times Square. One of the biggest and scariest spaces for a parent with children in the world. And my child wandered off in Macy's. And there were maybe seven, eight elevators open. And people were coming and going. And there were no security guards. And I had no idea where she was. And all I kept thinking was, I hate shopping. Why am I shopping? I hate shopping. And this is one of the reasons I hate shopping. Because you can lose your kids. That's why I actually don't take my kids anywhere. So a video is going viral. A mother from Ohio says that she used a tip that she learned on TikTok to find her lost child. Now, when your child goes missing... The panic, the fear, it's like no other. And you start screaming like a maniac and you're yelling your kid's name and nobody knows what's up. And every single second counts. Every single second could put miles between you, God forbid, and the child that is missing. So she recalled, this woman recalled a video where a mom suggested that instead of calling out your daughter's name, what you want to do is yell out what your kid is wearing. She started yelling, pink Minnie Mouse shirt, pink Minnie Mouse shirt. And people started looking for a pink Minnie Mouse shirt. That was just the automatic reaction. So PSA, if you ever lose your dog or your child or anything, yell out a description. Raise your voice. Doesn't matter if you look like a crazy person. Just start yelling what your kid is wearing. Especially if your kid is from. And your his name is Chaim Yankel Shmerel Ben Yechiel David. Because nobody's going to remember that and no one's going to be able to find him. So just start yelling overpriced J. Crew t-shirt and shorts and Venetini loafers. <laughs> My kid is missing. And then people will help you find your kid. Don't forget to take a picture of your kid, by the way. That is also very, very helpful. Take a picture because sometimes you will forget what your kid is wearing. Unless that's just me. It's a big responsibility to have kids. You have to raise them right. And you have to teach them not to vape. A 16-year-old kid, his lungs collapsed here in Israel from vaping. He had been vaping for a long time, I guess a couple of years. Sometimes here in Israel you see kids smoking as young as 9, 10, 11. And uh, this is the first vaping death um, in the country. And Israel is going to invest in a campaign that's going to highlight the dangers of electronic cigarettes, which is so crucial. It's going to cost 1.5 million shekel. It's going to be a comprehensive education for both parents and teens. And it is something that has been a long time coming. Of course, you know that here in Israel, hookah is very popular, cigarettes, um, and uh, rolling your own cigarettes. Well, that's a thing. It's literally a, a hobby for some Israelis. And vaping. So hopefully we will see some improvement in that department. All right, let's move to Canada. Maya Gamzu, a 14-year-old Israeli singer. She is one of Canada's Got Talent's top candidates. There are talented people in Canada? Stop it. Just kidding. Zahavitz from Canada, and she is hilarious and amazing. But she's not on Canada's Got Talent. Maya Gamzu is. And she is a top candidate winning the sought-after Golden Buzzer. She is in the semifinal round. They live in Toronto, originally from Israel. She began singing at the age of three. I feel like we had this story. We had a story of a Jewish girl on American Idol. I remember talking about this with Sapir. Obviously, she's not an Orthodox Jew, uh, but she is very talented. She has a lot of chen. She sang Christina Aguilera's Something's Got a Hold on Me, wowed the judges, and now we have Jewish representation on Canada's Got a Little Bit of Talent. I mean, look at their prime minister. Look at their prime minister. Enough said. All right, now I am thrilled to introduce you to my friend, my fellow Ola, an Israeli, 
The real Hadassah, Hadassah Goldberger. She is super talented, super devoted to Israel and the IDF. She often fundraises through her Instagram platform to bring pizza, to bring shalachmanas, to make barbecues for the Chayalim here in Israel to boost their morale. Her husband's a part-time soldier, and uh, she knows the life. She knows the life. She has spent too many hours in bomb shelters over the years, living a little more down south than I do. She's just amazing. She's super talented, legit. Like She does digital art, which you can see on Barianna's Hakoba Seder. That's her work. Uh, she's a social media manager. Uh, she sings. She's creative. She's just all that jazz. Plus, she's deep and smart. And I am so happy to have her here because she's also articulate, emotional, and inspiring. So without further ado, the real Hadassah. Hey, Hadassah. Welcome to the Weekly Squeeze. I feel like we're having a play date. I know. We totally are. It's like I get to see your room. It's I so know, cool. right? It's my space. Okay. So I discussed the D tragedy on my uh, podcast episode on Monday, and I really went into it because I feel it's so important for people in Chutzla to understand what it feels like, what it is. These are real people with real lives. And, and that's what yeah. I felt when I drove on Thursday to Efrat. I, I was shaking. I was shaking the entire time. I couldn't stop crying. I come to the neighborhood. It's gorgeous. I get out of my car. I see this banner. I'm like, did this happen? There was a family. There is a family. These are real people. Right. It's important that the world knows. So what were your thoughts? I saw that you went, you made a beautiful reel about it. Um, what is your thought on this particular terrorist attack on top of so many others that we've experienced in the last few weeks? Right. It was interesting because I got a question yesterday of someone being like, I don't understand. There are so many terrorist attacks in Israel all the time. Like, why is everyone so sad about this one. And I think there are a few reasons as to why this was, this really touched us all. First of all, losing half a family is is extremely drastic. That's not just like a normal, that's just not like the normal consequences of a terrorist attack. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, like we, and we have lost full families in Israel and we've also lost half families with El Shabo and his siblings. But it's quite rare that a family goes from seven to three and three, meaning seven to seven to four, like losing three. But that was really bad. I think the second thing that was really hard is that we're used to funerals. Right. And you look at the people's faces and you see them and it's so sad. And then they kind of disappear from the media and watching the family go through a funeral again was severely traumatic and I'm literally getting chills just, just just talking about it because it's like you were here we shouldn't be seeing you here again like you deserve to go home and mourn now and then having to come up again and eulogize again and that whole emotional roller coaster and I don't know for me when they said like like it was obvious to me during the first funeral that they're probably thinking about their mom but I don't know why it was just kind of like but she's going to be okay like there's just this sense of like it's like, okay, so she's going to be home soon, you know, and like, maybe it's a distraction that they get to go to the hospital and care for her. And like, that can kind of help them, but like, not even. And did she know that her daughters died? Like, th- that that was that was extremely terrible. And and the third point, which I think is the most important point is that it doesn't matter, because if people feel it, and people connected to it, then bring it on. Because sometimes it's really hard to connect to Israel. And we have an English-speaking family, a British family, a man who has become a country leader, like a, a literal leader in our country overnight. There's no one who doesn't know his name. There's no one who doesn't recognize his face. And there's no one who isn't thirsty to, to learn and to listen and to do what it is that he needs. He became a leader overnight. And 
if you succeeded in connecting to what it means that like like it's hard to live here sometimes, it's okay if you didn't connect to the Palais or to the other brothers or to the or or to or or to any of the other attacks we've had. Like it, that doesn't matter. You you're feeling it now. So feel it here and just and just go with whatever it is that you're feeling. And I think that's that's like the main important is like it's not that one is worse than the other and one is better and one is more important and one I connected to. You're feeling it now? Good. Take it and go with it and let that where it leads you. It was, it was interesting because they they spoke about Lucy and they said how how much she loved greenery and how much she loved green foods. And I just I felt compelled to buy three plants. The, the day of the funeral, like it was really weird, but I was like, I live in Israel and planting trees and whatever is like a very big part of Eretz Israel. And I brought some green into my home and I literally, I have three plants, one for each one of them. And I know it's weird because it's like. Hadassah, I have the chills. I don't think you understand. I have three. Well, now I have more because I'm a little uh, obsessed, but I have three uh, planters on my Mirapeset. Now is the most beautiful time to plant flowers in Israel, and I was literally thinking of putting with a magic marker their yeah. names on the pots because I felt yeah. the same way. I felt like I need to create something permanent, I, like yeah, or, you know, slight like, that will grow. I just felt like I really, I really learned something. Um, I think every mother, um, I mean, every woman, every every parent, whoever it is, like watching the funerals and watching the daughters not being able to stop talking about how incredible she was as a mother. And I think she was an incredible mother, but I also think she was just a good mother. Meaning, do you know what I mean? I just think she did such a good job as a mom and really seeing what the role of a mother is and the love of a mother and how consistency and care and attention to detail forms children and forms people. I think that was really inspiring for us. And um, yesterday at the Shiva, it's interesting because you can see the sense of overwhelm that they have. Um, and that's fair. They've been overwhelmed with tragedy, with loss, with funerals, um, and overwhelmed with love and care and people. And what Rabbi D said, which I thought was amazing, is that like he's like, whatever idea you have, whatever initiative it is, my answer is yes. I am empowering you to do it. You don't need my permission. You don't need my sign off. Like I felt weird because yesterday I went to the show and I, and I went with work. Um, and so my uh, my boss was like, please make sure that you're taking photos. And I got, I was like, well, but it's a Shiva. Like I don't I don't want to do social media at a Shiva. You know what I mean? And well, first of all, there was a ton of press over the last week right. in that tent. Describe for people what what a Shiva house looks like in Israel. I was actually never Menachem Avol, a terrorist victim. But it's really nonstop. I was telling my husband yesterday, it's such a beautiful thing. It's such right. a cushion of love. It's such an embrace right. from the country, the streaming yeah, visitors. So tell, tell people what it's like. Tell people what it was like in the Shiva house and just what you took in when you walked in and, and yeah, right. what you took so away. First of all, um, just walking into obviously Lucy's home, you, you felt it. You really felt it. You see this is a woman who's been building a a. a bricks and bricks of love and her beliefs like into the house and you just felt it you know like you you, re you really felt it um what I liked is that first of all the community of Efrat had an overwhelming um response of volunteers people who would take their entire day off to go and stand with yellow vests and kind of move the people around the way um it was supposed to be when you came, when you came, there was there was an upstairs right where the street is, and you walk downstairs to get into the house. So already upstairs, there are a ton of people. 
like a ton of people standing waiting to be let in. Um, and then on the stairs, they were letting people in like five, 10, 20 at a time, whatever the organizers like had been told. You walked into the house um, and you really were able to see kind of the funeral, uh, the, the the Shiva house. There was food, there were drinks, um, photos. The mirrors were all covered. Obviously, there were low chairs around um, and there were pictures already where people could sign and write letters. Like, And, and I think that's like normal, uh, like Shiva house activity. But over here, it was like, really beautiful meaning I I didn't I think the reason why most of us have never been to a shiva house for mourners is that it's it's a very hard thing to go to even when you love someone who's mourning so to go to a stranger's house and enter that dynamic is like a bit scary over here was kind of like you're supposed to be like this you're supposed to come and visit us now the entire like there was a sense of like no one was like, oh, who are you? Oh, you don't know us? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like there was none of that. It was like obviously crowds have come to be Menachem. Like it, that was that sense. And then you walked through the house and you went into the back. Now the children were all um in their they they each have a room where they're sitting with their like friends. A designated space. So they're kind of right, saved right. from the overwhelm. And the youngest boy, um, we we didn't see him at all. I just saw teenage boys like heading into the room and just going to sit with him and be with him. Um, and then Rabbi D was sat outside. His parents and his two daughters were there with him, and he had a he had a microphone, and there was just so many people just sitting all around him. Um, and they wanted get garnering chizuk from him, which is so so insanely amazing, right? And and it's amazing. And I also think that like he needed it, like you know, like this is this is you know, um, he lost his family because he believes in Israel, you know, they, they moved here and they believe in it and he really believes it. And Rabbi such Ephraim, proud Israelis. Yeah. Such proud Israelis. I even noticed they were all wearing those Israeli um, Teva sandals. I know they yeah. have shoes, but still they yeah. have those shoes. Yeah. And the girls were walking around barefoot. Like they, they were home. It was, I also was there on the last day, which usually is the easiest um, day to go to. Um, and he was just sitting and talking and there were two, there were two obeying them. One is, I'm going to confuse their names and that's going to be very embarrassing. Well, when Ephraim said, Goldberg, you said Ryan. Yeah, Ephraim rabbi. Goldberg. He's the rabbi from Boca. Boca, yeah. Right. So he was there and I'm pretty sure he flew out. I'm not sure, but there was like this sense of like he had a booked in time and he took the mic and spoke to him. Um, rabbi D apparently is a Talmud of him. And yeah. Rabbi Ephraim he said speaks he was, about Amuna. He speaks about Amuna. Yeah, that's he speaks thing. about Amuna a lot. And um, Rabbi D apparently quotes him all the time in his family. And Rabbi Ephraim said he was like, like, he was like, I, I, uh, you call me your Rebbe, but now you've become my Rebbe, um, which was like very beautiful to hear. Um, the rabbi from Orstone was there. Again, I'm going to blank on his name. Um, Rabbi Katz was there. There was just like a lot of really... Shlomo Katz, the singer. Yeah. Um, rabbi Tilly Weiss, who I work for um, from Israel 365. And it was it was interesting because when we got into the Shiva, so Rabbi like rabbi Tully asked, like, can we, can we take a video of you? Can we share it? So then he says, is it going to get to people? And we were like, yeah, we got about a million views on our videos. And he was like, great, let's do it then. Like he they're, they're so enthusiastic and ready to yeah. turn this into something positive. I mean, right. I, I, I can't really think about the actual experience that they're going to have over the course of the next year when they're alone and the things they have to cope with, yeah. losing losing their older siblings and their mother. And that's something that's very painful. And I'm sure they'll need resources to help them through that. But Can you imagine if no one cared? 
I know, and I see and that, and from the ten thousand people joined the the Pirkeiavis WhatsApp yeah. groups, and that's and, right. and that was in a few hours. It was phenomenal. You know, and, and you know, he didn't even like like his daughters like didn't even know there were so many initiatives popping up. And so he said that these two girls, Dali and I forget the name of the other girl that he mentioned on the mic. He said one of them reached out and said somebody like people are asking if they can add content, if we can write a book that people can buy, and 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 Rabbi Leo was just like. The answer is yes. And he said it again. He's like, do it. I'm empowering you. You know what to do. Do it. If you want to post more pictures of your Israeli flags, do it. If you want to start an initiative, if you want to name in their memory, do it. Do it. He's like, the the answer is yes. He's like, I can't come up with the ideas. I can't run all of these initiatives, but you can. And if it's in your heart that you should be doing something like this, do it. I feel like they lost part of their family and they gained so many more fam not obviously you can't replace your mother and your sisters yeah. but in a sense like Am Yisrael really stepped up and was like we are here yeah. we are one yeah. and we're going to mourn yeah. together and it really you know someone I mentioned this on, on the other episode someone tweeted out I wish I could divide their pain amongst Kla Yisrael so we can all mourn a little it's too much for one family but that's what yeah. we do during Shiva that's what we do with all these messages and I want to yeah. talk about the three um, initiatives that the D family uh, are spearheading my kids go to Ezra I know in America people don't know what what Ezra is, I'm sure you have it in Kiryat Gat, but it's it's yeah. a youth group. And yeah. um, Rina was um, a counselor. I know my kids are very close to their counselors. They go twice a week. It's a pretty big. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty big um, organization. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, like, it's like any youth group. If there's Ezra in the UK, if it's like NCSY or Akiva or right. whatever other youth groups there are, it is the the religious and Zionistic, um, right. the religious Zionistic um, group. It's a little more separated than Akiva. Um, and there definitely is like a very big need for it, and many many. Oh, people it's amazing! It's amazing. It. They actually re- renovated the entire Beit Shemesh Park. It's been closed for weeks now. They're completely redoing it because how much activity takes place there because of Ezra and all the groups that right. they and all the productions amazing. it's amazing so they're right. establishing um, a, an actual proper location an Efrat branch for for this youth movement um, so that's a beautiful thing they're already I mean this is something that Rena wanted they're, they're doing yeah. that in Rena's memory yeah so it's what's interesting about Efrat is that if you've never been to Efrat it's it looks like like gorgeous suburbia just beautiful homes but then you look around and you're like in the middle of the mountains and there are Palestinian villages everywhere so it's very interesting because like you literally could be in Muncie or in wherever it is you feel safe as soon as you pull in you're like I'm home I want to live here you're like I know. And then so and what's what's amazing also about Afrat is that it keeps on building up, meaning there's a lot of potential there. It slowly builds up. So I think this youth center is really important. Also, because they are quite far away from everything and public transportation is hard to get to. So things like going to the beach or whatever it is that teenagers teenagers do, I think it's very good that the center where youth will be hanging out and collecting will be under Ezra. Um, and be a place for teenagers in that area to really gather. So that's very, the very cool. What the, there are three initiatives. Um, the one, the one, so the one I liked the most was the, was the Mayan. I know. I know. We're going to go up north next month, not next week. And we're going to go to Mapal El Al, um, which is a very beautiful, it's, it's pretty far up north. Um, but waterfalls, I mean, Mayan was water and, and what are they doing? Explain to me. Yeah. So they're building, they're literally building a Mayan. Um, I, I, I don't know the exact details of where it's going to be and how it's going to be, but they're building an entire, um, water, um, sort of hike in her memory. A natural spring. Um, 
a, a natural spring. Yes. I apologize. Her name was Maya, which is, which is Aramaic for water. Um, and they're building a spring. She also like, she also really loved hiking. That was something she was very passionate about. Um, so it's like Rena's passion of the youth group is going into her center. Maya's passion for nature and for traveling and for Israel. And unfortunately, where where they where they died where things where they were murdered um was also on one of these hikes um so i think that's going to be very special and the last thing that they're building is a simcha hall uh, in, in lucy's memory um and that's going to be in a frat where people will be able to have weddings about mitzvahs engagement parties just really take this opportunity to build to build a frat up a little more and really make sure that the roots um, and the and the and the and the morals and the things that these girls and these women were passionate about kind of last um, in a frat even even once they're gone we're never going to forget them you know like I think if every person makes like a mental list of the of the victims of terror that they remember we all have a few you know um for me it was Halel Ariel I named my daughter after her it was the three boys was a was a very big one for me there are there we each have a few that kind of just like stand out and stay and will always recognize their faces we'll be able to pick it out of the crowd and say this is what happened I remember that this has happened to the D's Ari Fold let's say and and I think I think that's 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 the way it's supposed to be. I have Ari's picture right here. <laughs> that impacted me. That was a very um yeah, that was one of them that really cut right into my heart. Mm-hmm. I was listening to his podcast yeah. and he was a big inspiration for me. But I like the the point that you that you made. The point is that if you connected to this, there's no reason to feel guilty that you didn't connect to another terrorist attack. It's totally normal. Mm-hmm. There's only uh, uh, so much pain we can absorb. And as yeah. human beings, you know, sometimes we distance ourselves from the things that are almost too difficult to bear. But this has been uh-huh. such a an amazing, almost experience for Am Yisrael to see how they how when we cry together and we hurt together and when we hug each other and embrace and then we build Build, 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 yeah. build. That's the message. Wherever you yeah. are, build something small. Create something. Do something. Instill something. Plant something. You know, uh, the smallest thing, but build. Create. That's what we do. They destroy. Right. We build. We remember. We remind. Right. And, and that's how we strengthen. We, the, the problem with, uh, with what Israel's experience is that we're really experiencing a cycle of hate. You know, we're just, it's just one after the other, after the other. And people are always saying like, I'm so scared to come to Israel. Don't be scared to come to Israel. Just come to Israel. Okay. You guys have way more problems in America with your guns. I don't want to hear it. Totally. Okay. Totally. My husband said that yesterday. Do not want to hear it. That's right. If you're going to Chicago, (laughs) if you would go to Chicago for a business trip and you wouldn't come to Israel, then uh, that Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Like, honestly, honestly, like civilian whatever we're not going to get into guns today i'm not, and and i don't have a, pol- a political opinion on whether people should or shouldn't own guns i'm just saying that israel is way less dangerous where where y'all live um, that's it sorry so don't let it don't let it scare you don't start don't stop coming here um and 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 know that like the only way to break a cycle of hate is with a cycle of love that's that's our role sure we can go in and we can burn villages we can go in and we can start stabbing people ourselves it's not the way we roll that's not what we do and the enemy i always say it we all we all have questions none of us have answers right nobody knows how to solve this the, the politicians themselves don't know how to solve this. I speak to soldiers about like, what do they think should happen? Like, how are we going to stop this? And they're like, I, I don't know. I'm just showing up and doing my best. And they tell me to reta- like to, to not do it. And I it bums me because I want to respond, but I can't. And they tell me that I have to go in the middle of the night and I'll go. Like, we all, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to make this stop. But the only way to make it hurt less is to, is, is to really 
is to really continue a cycle of love and to make sure that we're that we're empowering each other and that we're staying connected to the stories that that matter to us like the funny thing is is that when the when the when the daughters died i just ignored it like when the girls died i just i just ignored it i was like okay there was another pigua another pair of sisters oh my god i can't handle this okay but I, I literally detached myself from it because i couldn't like once I saw this, there was a big other two people. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like I, I, I didn't have any emotional strength to like go into it. And then day or two passed and I watched the funerals and I like started feeling it a little more like I was ready, but like, it's been a crazy few weeks. It's been a crazy few months. It's been a crazy few years. Like what, what am I talking about? Right. And then, and, and then I decided that it like, and then, and then there's some things you can't decide to disconnect from, you know, yeah. you just are connected and it's part of the story. And it's part of Am Israel. Yeah. Don't be scared to come to Israel, come to Israel, regardless, support Israel and love Israel, regardless where Israeli jewelry make people, people should meet you and know that you're a Jew post pictures of them on your Facebooks, print out photos of them and keep them in your homes if you can. Name your children after people that have lost themselves here. Light candles, show up. If you have an opportunity to donate to a cause that matters to you, donate to a cause that matters to you. And just keep on, let's just keep on responding because the, 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 do you think Britain would have put out that letter if the whole world That's right. posted That's about right. it? We, the- it wouldn't have. You know, it actually makes a difference. Do you think we'd be able to build centers in these children, in, in these children's and, and this mother's memory if, if the whole world wasn't like, oh my God, like, no. And one of, one thing that's really interesting about living in Israel is that oftentimes we feel ignored. Like I've been in, I've been in bomb shelters for days and days and days and felt like nobody cares, right? Like the world doesn't care. And the truth is, is that like, okay, maybe we're not the biggest like community in the whole wide world. But sometimes you feel from Israel that the world does care. And, and that's an, that gives us a lot of strength because it helps us feel less alone. It helps us feel like we'll be better defended, that people have got our backs and that the pain that we're going through actually matters to someone. So that, 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 that's what I, that's what I, t- I could not have said that better myself. Hadassah, thank you so much for supporting Israel, for supporting our soldiers, for being a strong voice um, in this mm-hmm. fight of good against evil and may we yeah may we merit to live in a safe land where our children can grow up and hike and explore and just do all the constructive things that the jews and eretz israel have been doing for the last 75 years i'm just gonna say one more thing that if we look at the d tragedy okay i'm holding two hands up there are two circles i'm a visual person i use my hands okay if we look at the d tragedy right there's the, there's the pain of all of this right and we can tap into that and we can hold it and we can feel it and we can be really, really weighed down by it because it's heavy. And then there's the beauty that has come from it, right? It's the Shiva house, it's the support, it's Abidi's word, it's the things that have happened on social media, it's the fact the whole world cares, it's the initiatives, right? And the truth is, is that the, the pain is like a weight, it's heavy and it brings us down. And the and the beauty is like helium. It's 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 it, it just takes us up. And you can choose what you want to focus on right now. Okay. This one, the pain is going to make you anxious. It's going to make you sad. It might even make you leave. There are people who have decided, like, I can't do this and I don't want to live here. The people say, I'm not going to come visit here. There are people who look at Israel like, this isn't worth it. Right. And that's the pain. You want to focus on the pain and look at the pain of what the D's have gone through. It'll weigh you down. It's weight. That's all it is. But if you look at the beauty, okay, it'll actually lift you up. 
And the beauty is bittersweet. It is a bittersweet beauty. Do not get me wrong. But the more you focus on it, the bigger it gets and the stronger it gets. And it lifts us up. It, it lifts us up. It lifts us up as a nation. It lifts us up as mothers, of family members. It lifts up the Jewish people. And so we have two ways to look at it. And it's important to feel the pain. It's important to be like, what are they going through right now? Like, we had a funeral, like we, 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 and we had two funerals, right? We had to feel that pain and it was heavy, but what if, if you can join us here, you know, join us on this side where we're building in their memories and we're not going to forget them and we're supporting them however we can. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna feel the, the light of Eretz Yisrael, the beauty of Eretz Yisrael, that passion and the tzionut and, and, and the realness of why it is that we decide to live here. You know, like you, you, you don't see it anywhere else. You don't have this anywhere else. So like focus on the light, join the Pirkei Avos groups, donate if you can, do things in their memory. I bought three plants. I can't explain it, but I did. I, I don't know. It just, it just feels right. And I walk into my house and like the tall ones, Lucy and the small ones, Rena, and, and like, it is what it is, but that's the light of it. And, and it's, and it's, um, and, and, and. May we, may we, may we always be able to to find to find the light in the situations. May the Jewish people help power the light of these situations in their reactions and their response and the support. And um, and, and may Beautiful. this stop pretty soon. I mean, I mean, I mean. I'm gonna put your Instagram links in my show notes so people can follow you, the Thank real Hadassah, and they can see how devoted you are to. Um, yeah. yeah, to the Israeli army and to our yeah. Hialeen. We're going next week. And you're going, going next, next week. week. It's always a party. <laughs> always a party in uh, the real Hadassah's Instagram page in her life. Legit. Oh Thank you, Hadassah. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Hanala. All right. Uh, Ari Goldwag is not here. And the reason Ari Goldwag is not here is because I have not spoken to him yet because he doesn't do interviews uh, uh, during the week. Only Sundays. He is a big Tamil Chacham. He is learning and he has no time for an Irish Chaitin. So we are booked for Sunday, which means that he will be here on Monday's episode. For today, however, we have a really cool guest. His name is Ari Lesser. He is a super, super cool dude. He is also a Nazir. He's a Nazir. That is right. A modern day Nazir in the 21st century. What is a Nazir, you ask? Good question. A Nazir, or, or a Nazirite, as you say in English, is a person who takes a voluntary vow to undertake a period of spiritual dedication and abstinence. That period is forever, okay? The vow is known as a Nader Nazir or a Nazaret vow. And during this time, you cannot drink wine or any great products, cut your hair, or come into contact with a corpse. Um, it's a lifelong commitment because you cannot break your vow until you bring a karban chatas, a sin offering to the base of Megdash. And for that, well, you need a paraduma, a red heifer, which, by the way, we do have in Israel, five red heifers. We're going to get to that in another episode. But a Nazir is a pretty big deal. I mean, to choose not to get married and to separate yourself from the community in that way, that is a very intense lifestyle, to say the least. And it's not easy, as you can only imagine, which is what I took away from a Facebook post that Ari shared recently, March 30th, where he shared the struggle of being a Nazir. He writes that a Nazir doesn't fit nicely in anyone's box. We can't join communities for funerals. We can't drink wine at Kiddush. He says he prefers scotch anyway. Um, secular people think we're just carefree hippies or religious fanatics. Um, yet, in spite of our weirdness, he wrote, the Torah would not be complete without the Nazir. In fact, 10 of the 613 mitzvahs are only for Nazirim. Now, the post is really long, and he writes about how challenging it is, how a school invited him to speak, and then they canceled on him 
because his look was not the right thing. But he wants the world to know not to be afraid of him and that he may look a little rough around the edges, but he wants to assure you he doesn't bite, especially grapes. Why is he in Azir? What is this all about? How is he married? I have questions, and he is here to answer them. So without further ado, the Jewish-American rapper, singer-songwriter, spoken word artist, and Nazir, Ari Benjamin Lesser. Uh, Ari Lesser, welcome to the Weekly Squeeze. Thank you so much for being here. So nice to join you. I listened to your music all morning because you are a spoken word artist, so I can enjoy it on Sphira, and I think you are pretty cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a nice little niche I got there. Uh, a lot of people need need the backing tracks, but I can I can hold it down with just the words. Yeah, I do a cappella, but uh, spoken word is it's a whole different art form, which we'll get into soon. But the reason I reached out to you is because of your Facebook post that caught my eye, as it did many, many, many people. So let's talk about your lifestyle. I don't want to say, tell me about who you are and where you grew up and your whole story. I just want to get to the juice of it right now. You are an observant Torah Jew. You're wearing a hat now, but underneath that hat is some really long curly locks. There it is. Um, And it's not because you're a hippie and it's not because you are a wild child. It's because you are a Nazir, a 21st century Nazir. So fill us in, please. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a Balchuva, so I was raised completely, pretty, pretty much secular. My my family would do some minor stuff. We'd have Shabbos dinner, maybe go to our cousins in Baltimore for for Passover, but very much unobservant on almost every level uh, growing up. And it wasn't until really after college that I started getting interested in Yiddishkeit through Tehillim. I was really Makarov through Tehillim as a musician. I just connected to David Hamelech as a songwriter. Hey, the Tehillim, it's, it's an amazing musical, uh, an, a, a treasure trove. Yeah, I like to say Billboard Top 150 for the last 3,000 years. <laughs> That's right. It's a beauty. It's really a beauty. Yes. So I, I really have spent a lot of time meditating on those lyrics and, and getting into it. And and that was, that was my gateway drug into Torah in general. And it was, uh, let's see, I'm thinking... 2000, 2009, 2010, something like that, that I started learning to heal him. And that led me into, okay, I want to learn who David Amalek is so that I'm learning Tanakh. And I'm like, I can't, I can't understand this whole, this whole story. I got to start at the beginning. I got to go, go, go to Bereshi. So I started learning from the beginning and also writing songs about all the stuff I was learning at the same time. And really that was my first pass through the whole through the whole Chumash, and, and I was doing the Parsha every week, and... You got on the Torah train. I got on the Torah train. I got on the Torah train, and was really um, taking it seriously. I mean, I, I, I the Tehillim connected me to Hashem, and the Chumash started to feel like this is not just some book that somebody wrote. This is a gift from Hashem to us. And when you when you start to see it that way, that, that the Chumash is not just a book of moral, you know, advice from our ancestors, which would also be, you know, know, even if it was just a book of moral advice from our ancestors, that, that definitely is worth checking out. And that's sort of how I viewed it. But the the more you delve into it and, and really analyze it, it doesn't make sense that that would be the case. It seems like it's something else. And uh, I was very much seeing every week when I was learning the Parsha how what was going on in my life that week was 
directly connected to what I was learning. And I've continued to see that throughout my life. That yeah, well, that's why, week. yeah, we learn the parsha every week, v'chai him. we live by it, and it's absolutely present and parallel to our existence as Jews. Um, it syncs yeah. up with our, with our lives in so many ways. Yeah, so, um, so at the time, so at that time, I was 100% not connected with any community. I was, I had an art scroll, Tanakh, and I had no connection at all to the oral tradition. So I was really just the written tradition. I just had my Tanakh, I had my Tehillim. And I was I was just learning on my own. I was traveling around doing shows all over the West Coast, and it was Parsha Nasso. So uh, that week I was in Portland, Oregon at the time, and there was some weird Ashkacha Pratis stuff that was going on the whole week. There was just strange stuff, and I'm not going to go into the details of what what was going on. But even as it was happening, I'm like, this is. I didn't know the word hashkacha practice at the time, but this is clearly, you know, this is not normal. This is uh, these things that are going on right now. And it wasn't, I'm not going to say it was bad, but it certainly wasn't good. And uh, I, I couldn't really make much sense of it until I read the Parsha. When I read the Parsha, which was, like I said, Parsha Naso that week, the whole story of the Sota was like, whoa, this is, uh, this is hitting way close to home, this, this, this stuff. And, I started even like reading into the comment, you know, the minimal commentaries that we got in the art scroll there. And I was just stunned by how, you know, connected the Parsha was to what was going on in my life that week. So then immediately after the Sota, of course, is the Nazir. I was I was like, wait, I want to hear more about the Sota. This Nazir stuff doesn't make any sense. This is uh, what is this? What does this have to do with the, the Sota? You know, there's no. In Bereshit, it's like one story flows into the next, and it seems very clear, you know, the narrative flow. This seemed to have no connection. What's the connection between the Sota and the Nazir? So, once again, I go start looking in the commentaries, and it says, oh, the reason that someone would take this, this, this vow of the Nazir is because they witnessed a Sota, right? So, I was like, oh, maybe this is the reason for all this Hashkacha Pratis that's been going on in my life. Maybe the reason that... Uh, that Hashem was bringing all these things into my into my path this week was to encourage me to take this this vow. And at the time, like I said, I had no oral tradition. I had no Gomorrah. I had no Mishnah even. Were you keeping the Torah and mitzvot? Were you observing I was, Judaism? Yeah, I was, te- I was keeping them as I read them. In, Get out of town. In, Get um, out of town. Yeah. How? Were you yeah. not cooking a lamb in its mother's milk? Like, I was, how so are I was you doing 100% that? vegetarian. I was 100% vegetarian. Okay. So I thought I'm good. I, I don't have any issues at all. Okay. I would eat like vegan food at non-kosher restaurants because I'm like, what's the issue? There's no problem here. Until uh, you read the part about shratim and then you were like, oh no, I can't eat bugs. Right, right. So I, I don't, I don't think I was quite as aware of how I, I started cooking a lot more since I became kosher. But at the time, I was not aware of the level of infiltration that bugs get into our veggies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was not thinking about that. I certainly would not eat a bug by by choice at the time, but. Uh, for example, also on Shabbos, I would I would go to music festivals and I would sing songs. And when Friday night came around, I would put my CDs down. I wouldn't sell CDs for the for the 25 hours, but I didn't know anything about an Eruv. So I was carrying. I just didn't I didn't know. You know, it doesn't say anything about that. So you were a Tinok Shanishpa. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it was around this time, though, that you thought about becoming a, a Nazir and really committing to that idea or or just was something, yeah. a seed that was planted? 
No, no. So it was that week. That week, I was like, "All right, this is this is you know, I'm doing this." And I and I was like, "Did you read the, the Hilchos Naziris? Because I have it in front of me. I looked it up today. I, just the first ten things. Can I just share it with my audience sure. so they know what it even means? Okay, the commitment to be a Nazir contains ten mitzvos, two positive commandments, eight negative commandments. Um, they are number one: you a Nazir should let his hair grow long. Number two. He should, there we go. He should not cut his hair throughout the, his, the entire time of his Nazareth vow. Number three, the Nazareth should not drink wine, nor a mixture of wine, even vinegar coming from wine. Uh, number four, no fresh grapes. Number five, no raisins. Number six, no grape seeds. Number seven, no grape peels. Number eight, you cannot enter a shelter where a corpse is located. I think the laws are even stricter than by a Kohen. A Kohen can go to a, a, the cemetery if, if they're burying a family member and a Nazir can't. Um, you should not contract impurity because of a cor- corpse, and you should um, that he shave his skin and bring his offerings when he completes his Nazareth vow or when he becomes impure, which is a huge conversation in and of itself. We're going to get into that. So yeah. you knew that you can't eat grapes and you have to grow your hair long. But what else does being a Nazir mean? So, so like I said, I didn't have Hilchos Nazir. I had all I had is Parsha Naso. That's what I had, and I just in my basic level of understanding, assumed that, okay, you know, there's no temple right now. So I'll just do this. I, you know, I didn't think that the offerings were relevant at the time, right? So I assumed I could just do it for a year. And so I was like, I'll just take on these prohibitions for a year. Then I'll be done in a year. I didn't, I wasn't thinking of this as a lifelong commitment. It was like, you know what, maybe this is just a way to just get myself on a better trajectory. I'll just do this for a year, no, um, no grapes, no hair. It doesn't seem like a, it didn't seem hard. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal. A big deal. Right. Are you an extreme person in general? Have you like gone on big diets or I don't know, traveled like on with no money? Do you take those kind of risks? You know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a risky person because, you know, I don't, I don't um, like, for example, I don't like to go like skiing or anything. Like I like to stay on my own two feet, but I'm certainly, uh, I certainly do do um, try to keep a very healthy diet. You know, I've been vegetarian for you know almost twenty years at this point, and uh, cutting so, out so some grapes. That's a commitment. Grapes yeah. didn't seem too tough at all. You know, <laughs> but you're saying you you live a committed lifestyle, a specific yeah. committed lifestyle that takes sacrifice. So you're like, I could do this, and I could do that. Yeah. When you become a Nazir, you need to take a vow. Or you need to make a vow. Yeah, you and verbalize very it. Very specific. You verbalize yeah. it. Had it. What was that like? Did you say it in front of a rabbi? Did you no, say it no. to your mom? I was alone. No. Just me to me to Hashem. It was just me. Okay. Yeah, and that's and that's all that's required. Even you know now the more I've learned, nothing you know in terms of that, for sure. Uh, you don't have to be in front of witnesses to to take on Naziris. Um, my first, the first thing I remember, the first thing I did when I took Naziris was I had, I had just gotten a whole bunch of, uh, cashews and raisins at, at the supermarket, like the, the week before. And so I had this big bag of like cashews. I traveled a lot. So I would eat trail mix. That was like one of my main foods. And, uh, and then I'm taking this vow to, to not eat grapes anymore. So I remember going through that bag. And just throwing all the raisins into the into the woods, and it was interesting because the cashews were really 
white. Cashews, you know, when they're not roasted, they're just so white. And raisins are like almost, they're almost black. And so it was like this, I had this bag that was this mixture of. of it was like a spiritual and, uh, yeah, separation. Yeah, it was a mixture of white and black. And I just, it took me like probably almost an hour. It was a big bag to like actually pick out all the raisins and throw them out. And and at the end, I was left with this just pure white cashews. <laughs> so um, I like to think a little bit that that's what was happening on a spiritual level, at least too. Um, I still have so many questions. So at this stage of your life, you are just focusing on the actual scripture. You don't have a rabbi in your life, didn't grow up in a religious home. I'm assuming you're a God-fearing Orthodox Jew today based on your music and your few years yeah. in <laughs> to your commitment. Yeah, so by now you have learned and you do have a mashbia. Who was the first person that you told and what was their reaction? Because the, the Nazareth vows, they apply forever. When you take that vow in the present era, you have to keep it forever because we do not have a Bisa Migdash and you cannot give the sacrifice that you give when the vow is concluded, right. that you do here in Eretz right. Yisrael. So what's the plan? And who did you tell and what was their yeah, reaction? So first of all, I'll say one one um, one thing. You know, I've heard so many times people say when they hear Nazi, they're like, what? what? You, you were already, you know, doing all the other mitzvahs so well, you thought you needed something extra you had to take on. <clears throat> and it's funny because it's almost the exact opposite of that, is that like at the time, even though many, you know, observant people, they grew up with this idea that their neshamas was at Har Sinai and agreed to take on all the mitzvahs, right? I didn't grow up with that idea. And everything I took on, I took on voluntarily. I never I never felt obligated to do anything. And really, in some ways, Naziris was not like I was doing everything already and then I took on Naziris. It was like Naziris was the first thing that I verbally committed to doing. And felt once once I've made a verbal you know commitment to do something now I feel an obligation to do it now I really feel an obligation to do it because I said I'm going to do it um and it as opposed to I was doing everything and then I wanted something extra it's more like taking on Aziris led me to really take on a lot more you know it it really put me on a very good path to to taking on more and more mitzvahs and the more you came, became committed to all those mitzvahs the more you be came committed to being a Nazir or the, the, the more you remain steadfast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, there honestly has never been a time where I was really wavering about it. It, it, you know, but in terms of, who, okay, who's the next person that found out about it, right? I went on. So maybe a year or so later, I went on birthright to Israel. It's my first time ever in Israel. And I decided I wanted to learn in yeshiva. So I went to first uh, Mayanot in Yerushalayim for just a beginner's program. But then most of the time I was uh, at a yeshiva in Sfat, Tamime Darach. And um, I think when I was in my note, was the, they had a full set of art scroll um, Gomorrahs in English. So that was the first time that I read Tractate Nazir was when I was there. And I, you know, just on the side, I, we, I had the whole Seder, but on the side, I just was reading tractate nazir so that's when i was like oh boy uh like what have, what have I, I done, done? <laughs> yeah basically because you know at the time i'm thinking okay i'm uh you know i'm this is just a year-long thing and then you know the more i'm reading the tractate there's all kinds of questions like did you think there was a community of jewish nazirs no, like no, how no, many no. nazirim do we do we know how many nazirim i did not take i did not take on nazirs to be part of a nazir community it was purely something that i took on to to connect to hashem directly 
Did you think you were the only no. one? I, I mean, it's in the book. You know, at the time, I'm just, you know, I assume that it says any man or woman could take it. And also, my understanding of it at the time was that you could you could take it on for a, for a time and be done with it. So I didn't think of it as something that some, you know, someone might have taken Nazir's and then they're they're uh, complete their vow and they're they're done with it, which is how it used to be, right? right? So you could take it for 30 days and then. You're on to the next thing. Did you know who Shimshon Agibar was? Shmuel Hanavi? Did you I was know? learning a lot of Tanakh. So I knew I knew the stories of Tanakh. I don't think at the time I knew that Shmuel was a Nazir, but for sure Shimshon it, is the uh, most obviously identifiable Nazir in the... He was from my neighborhood in Beit oh, Shemesh. We oh, talk about nice, him all the time. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a superhero. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, Shmuel... And uh, Shimshon Avshalom was uh, not not a great example of a Nazir, but he's he's one as well. And um, and then I have theories. I have a theory also about Yosef because it says in, in the actual Chumash itself, he's the only one who's identified with the word Nazir, and he's mentioned with him twice. Actually, he's Nazir from his brothers, right? And there's actually a lot of similarities between Yosef and the Nazir. It's very interesting. Um, Yosef, first of all, has his uh, he has his own Sota experience, right? He has this whole connection with Potiphar's wife, where it's it's probably the most Sota-like story in the whole um, Hamish, where he's secluded with a woman, and nobody knows what really happened, and she's telling her husband one thing, and he's you know he he knows that he didn't do anything, right? But right, there's no evidence, there's no proof, and there's no witnesses. It's the classic Sota situation, right? And then we know that when he when he came up from prison, he had long hair. One of the first things they do is they cut his hair before they bring him in front of of Pharaoh. Was he married? Was he married? Joseph? Yeah, I'm saying he was married. Um, That's an interesting question. At the time, was he married? Uh, No, no. Later on, he wasn't married at the time, but he eventually married. Yeah, Nazir is allowed to marry. There's no there's no prohibition against marrying. Are you married now? I am. Yeah, I'm married. I have three kids. Baruch Hashem. Mm hmm. Okay, and they're and the kids know that their tati's a nazir. Yeah, my my bechor is Shimshon. <laughs> ah, I love that. But um, he's only eight, so I don't think they fully grasp the, uh, you know, they don't fully grasp the whole conception. As long as tati's happy, as long as right, tati's happy. Right. The question I have though is: Is it good or bad to become a nazir? Because on the one hand, it is. It's it. You know, it's a holy lifestyle. It's rooted in the Torah. On the other hand, a nazir has to offer a, a sin offering. Sure. So the question is. Is was the entire exercise, uh, you know, one big avera? I mean, I can't imagine that. What 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 do you say to that? So yeah, so I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So first of all, I don't advise people to become nazirim nowadays because I've learned, you know, a lot more about the situation now, and and you know, there's all sorts of complications that come up. Um, so I, it's certainly not something that I ever advise people to take on now that I understand the full implications of it. Uh, that being said, I mean, you, like you just listed off, those are 10 mitzvot. I mean, those are 10 mitzvahs of the Torah, two of which are positive mitzvahs, right? And that's 10 of the 613 mitzvahs. So if our whole life as Jews is all about connecting to Hashem through these pathways, through these connections, so you're going to write off 10 of them as being sinful, as bad? That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Those are those are the only channels we have to connect with uh, with Hashem. And one of them, uh, one of the things I love about it is uh, the grow, you know, the mitzvah of growing, growing my hair, 
literally I'm asleep and I'm doing a mitzvah. Like it's it, to me, it's something that I have in the back of my head that's covering me all the time. Like it doesn't matter where my mind's at, what I'm doing. I've got this constant mitzvah going on that, um, you know, when people say, oh, well, why don't you just like annul your vow, get out? It's like, why would I want to get out of that situation? Right. I, I understand there are prohibitions. There's things I got to watch out for this, you know, traps I could fall into and, you know, has shalom accidentally, you know, stumble upon a corpse. Right, or, transgress, right. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I got to weigh that against, well, I got this positive mitzvah of growing my hair. That's just, I'm constantly able to. Yeah. It's like living in Israel every minute. Right. Uh, yeah. I, there's um, a great yeah. example. Right. So that's one thing. But but I want to just one second. I want to just address that a little more because what could possibly be the issue with doing ten extra mitzvahs? The issue is that Hashem gives us wine and gives us pleasurable things in our lives, so that we shouldn't abstain. We should obviously find the balance and not abuse alcohol or live a gluttonous life. You know, sometimes when you when you need like I guess to be realigned from falling off the path too far in one direction or the other, you have to go all the way to the other way. You have to like swing the pendulum. And perhaps the commitment to being a Nazir, because it's so binding and in a sense so permanent, it's an opportunity for someone, you know, not everyone, but for, you know, someone who wants to live a more holy life to really swing the other way. So yeah, we're supposed to partake in wine and we're supposed to live a balanced life, but everybody's different. And the goal really is to get close to Hashem. So for someone like you and for, you know, the the Nazirim in our history, this was their derech. Yeah. Well, I, and I like that. I like that analogy of swinging, you know, swinging the pendulum that it's, it's, you know, it's a major, yeah, it's a major shift, right? From, you know, and for me, it was a major shift. It, it, it definitely changed the whole trajectory of my life in, a, in to what's now looking back, it's like so clear in a very obviously positive way, you know, at, at you know, at this point, I'm, I'm like, just uh, totally loving the whole life of learning Torah. And I, I live in a wonderful Jewish community and I am married with three kids and I have so many blessings going on that are obvious to me coming from Hashem. Like it's all coming from Hashem. Right. And, but hold up, hold yeah. up, hold up. You you wrote a Facebook post that, I mean, you wrote, you literally were crying from this deal that fell apart because a school or a shul, they, they didn't end up taking you to entertain on Shabbos because of your hair and they couldn't identify and they couldn't relate. And you were just like, this is really a struggle. Like this is, people are not accepting me and, I, and I'm and i doing it with Shem Shemayim and I love Hashem and I love Torah and I love Yiddishkeit. And for some reason I'm being rejected, like rejected for such a superficial thing. People just don't get what I'm doing. Yeah. So how did this post come about? And, you know, based on the comments, are you in a better place today? It sounds like you are. Well, so, so first of all, I'll say that, so that happened, um, earlier this year, it happened in November and, uh, the incident, but not the post, the incident, no, no, the incident happened in November. And, okay. uh, when it first happened, obviously I was very upset about it. I mean, it was, you know, it's like on top of, of just the goshmiest level of it, it's like the, it's just really, it was really sad to me on a number of levels. This, this past year, I also, I guess explain to people what happened. Explain to people what happened. Yeah, so in a nutshell. earlier this year, it was actually the week of Shabbos project. A, a modern Orthodox boys high school reached out to me and and invited me to be the keynote speaker of their Shabbaton. It it was just uh, looked like a great deal, so I I said okay, and we started planning it. And we were like two weeks into planning this event, and I had had a number of calls already and and um, meetings about content and conversations with the different. Uh, 
people who are going to be involved. The organizers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get this email that's like, uh, this is a strange question, but, uh, you know, we were looking at different videos and uh, no, some of the videos you have long hair, other videos you can't tell. Is, are those old videos of long hair? You know, it's like, and so I responded, like, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I took on Naziris 12 years ago and I'm kind of obviously stuck in it because there's no base in Mikdash. So that's the situation. And then they immediately are like, oh, sorry, this isn't going to work out. Uh, there's a, for a number of reasons, right? Obviously, the the immediate response to that email showed me what was really going on. But I called the organizer just to find out. And he leveled with me and he told me, you know, it's it's really 100 percent just about the long hair. That's um, that the, the school is trying to create an image that is uh, not having long hair. And I don't fit that mold. Yeah, maybe maybe you could do another mitzvah and get yourself a little uh, <laughs> small shaitel and then you'll be covered. <laughs> yeah, you'll I mean, have look, the look. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a performing artist. I know what it means to be called out for something that's like so superficial and, and extra. Yeah. So I, I feel that. But the response, the response on Facebook oh, was 100 percent supportive. I mean, incredible. I, mean, I want to read what this girl wrote here. She wrote, your story is powerful. You're a shliach of Hashem. We can't make everyone happy. So we should choose to make ourselves happy. Your journey to be close with Hashem is between you and Him. If this is your calling, nothing will come between it. You have the respect and acceptance of this Orthodox Jew. And just on and on and on, so many supportive messages. I mean, th this really struck a chord uh, in it, it people. Was, it was really the response. I was, I was really just moved by the response. And what was, what, was, what was very powerful was that unlike a lot of a lot of things I post and it stays on Facebook. I was getting WhatsApp messages. I was getting people were calling me. People I didn't know were calling me. I don't know how they got my number, but they were like, I mean, I really felt a lot of just love from from the 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 whole um Jewish world, you know, that, that people just You got on a really popular podcast. I mean, hello. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for hosting. <laughs> I want to talk about two yeah. more things. I want to talk about two more things. First of all, I shared a video clip of yours on Twitter today. I believe it's the apartheid, Israel apartheid video, which I love. I'm obsessed with your Israel, your pro-Israel content. I know you're a proud Zionist, and I, I commend you for having the courage to create those YouTube videos. They are powerful. You did a, a co collaboration with Stand With Us that was fantastic, and you have some amazing, amazing content on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check that out and see how talented you are. What an amazing advocate you are for Israel. Like, dude, you need to get on Twitter and, <laughs> Thank you. Thank and, and you. be a little louder. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about your music, and I want to talk about uh, well, your music slash politics, and then I want to talk about how you're going to get out of this, Nazirus, if necessary. Is that something on the agenda? Because there are five red heifers <laughs> right now in Israel with your name on it. I'm actually going to go see them. They, they are, they're rabbi approved. They came from Texas, and everybody's excited. The I think it's the Temple Institute down in the south, down south in the desert. They're preparing for Mashiach. They're practicing shechting. I mean, the, this is your crew. Right, this is your crew. Right, right. Mashiach is coming. Right. And then what's going to be? Are you going to continue your Naziris? Will this be an opportunity to actually give the carbon? Is that like part of the excitement? So a few things. So one, one of the things I just want to address, like why did I make this post, right? Why did I make that the post at this time? The, the, the thing happened in November. What, you know? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I do, I learned Dafyomi and we just the the whole world who does Daf Yomi just learned Tractate Nazir, 
so everybody in the whole mm. Torah world was learning about Fresh. the laws and halachas and Indians, all these things about the Nazir for over two months. And it just struck me that that contrast of like, if, if this is what we're all learning about, what's the, you know, why is there any fear about, uh, you know, this, right? It's, it's like, or almost feels like, is this just a fairy tale to you? Like, if this is just a fairy tale to you, then, then you know, then what are, you, what, what are you doing here learning Torah, right? What Like, here we are, like, learning this Tractate Nazir. And I think it was a perfect time to remind people, like, this is not just a storybook. The Torah is not just a storybook. It's full of real mitzvahs. It's full of real ways to connect to Hashem. And just to create that contrast of like, here's what some people in the Torah world are, are how they're reacting to the idea of a Nazir. And yet here on the other hand, we're all celebrating that we're learning about a Nazir for two months. Um, and you're not feeling the love. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. So the the response was like you said it was it was awesome it was it was it was wonderful although here's one one interesting point you know one of the things i said in there is that when people see a, a person with long hair they assume often in the in the orthodox world that they're either foolish or ignorant or um or it's sinful right off the derech and right. by far the most common response that I got to this post. And there was hundreds and hundreds of comments. I posted it on a number of platforms, but by far the most common response that I got, and almost universally all of them were from well-meaning, genuinely nice people, were some variation of, well, don't you know you can you can annul it? You have grounds to get out of it, right? And I think that it bothered me because even even though like i guess it, it sort of went back to this point of you're assuming even though i said in the post i've read tractate nazir three times you're assuming it's a burden you're assuming it's a burden you're assuming you're, it's you're something i don't want you're assuming it's you're a assuming yoke it's something I, I don't want and you're also assuming that i'm ignorant that i don't know that it's something i can that i could get out of Be, even though you i just told you i learned the tractate three times so Underline so even these people who are well-meaning, genuinely well-meaning, they have this misconception in their head that somebody who's a long-haired Nazir must not know as much as they do about about Torah, right? Um, so I found that to be. Well, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take that personally. No, I don't take I it personally. That... And, and and like I said, I talked to a lot of these people and I and I responded to them personally, and I could see that they genuinely they were like thinking in their head, "Oh, I'm going to help him. I'm going to give him an out." I'm going to help him out of his his predicament, his situation, and I think it could be the way I wrote it came across um, came across like this was something that I that I felt like I wanted you know I was stuck in, and it's like being a Nazir doesn't ever bother me. To me, it's something between me and Hashem, and I, and and I've, I for sure don't ever feel like being a Nazir is a burden. What I feel you know the pain is is like judgment from from. Uh, the community. And, and I think this year, I also felt a lot of judgment from the other side, from my secular family the other way. And so I guess those, those, that sandwich of like, not really being accepted anywhere, you know, was a little bit painful, but at the same time, they're Listen, you're a unique individual. You are a performing artist. You're a creative I'd be disappointed if you weren't doing something that people <laughs> didn't understand and were perplexed by and confused with, right. you know, this is just, 
Yeah, this is just an expression of your uniqueness. I think that's a beautiful thing. That's why I wanted to speak to you because uh, I figured there's something deep happening here, and I wanted to explore well, it a little bit. I appreciate the uh, the the reach you reaching out and and taking the time to think about these for things. sure. I didn't mean to suggest that you can get out of Naziris. I meant to suggest that you are part of the this uh, force, this energy, this uh, wave that's bringing us closer and closer to yeah. Shiach. I mean, well, there's talk that, in, that, yeah, the, the red heifer is a big deal. And the only one who needs a red heifer right now, I mean, for the most part, is you. So, you know. Like I said, from the very beginning, I never intended to, to, to take this on for life. And I never have, you know. My commitment is for one year. So once I get the Paraduma... I could be out in a year. We get Paraduma. Like I always tell people, I first step Paraduma, next step, you know, Besa Mikdash, you know, right? That's 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 what I need. So do you want to cut the hair? Um, do I want to? I mean, I, I would want to do it as part of a mitzvah. I don't want to just like cut my hair for no reason. Um Right. Like no. I'm saying, do you, are you yearning for a short haircut or your hair your hair Do, doesn't out? bother me. It does the hair doesn't bother me at all, really. Um it bothers other people, and that's that's a little frustrating sometimes, but it doesn't affect my life in any way. So for some reason, it stopped growing, really. Um, I know some people who their hair just keeps growing and growing. I know one guy, he was um, not Orthodox, but he took he was a Jewish guy, took on Naziris, and he was, I think, 43 years. And his hair got down to the floor, was wrapping around his waist multiple times. Maybe you need a good steak or a good burger. Maybe your body needs a little. <laughs> Maybe I don't. I don't. I gotta watch out, right? Um, How has this affected your music career and what you do? I I love your creativity. I love your spoken word shorts that you put on YouTube and social media. I think they're brilliant. I listened to another podcast you were on, and I heard you talking about how you actually work hard. You actually sit down and write the stuff and memorize it and correct it and, and, and fine tune it. And then you present it. And I'm sure you press re-record more than once. It's, it's hard. It's hard to put this stuff on and make it look easy. How has this Naziris affected your music? Is it not related? And if it's not related, that's cool too. Tell me about your passion for Israel, the, the art that you do and Judaism and how it all ties together. I'm absolutely, I put a lot of work into everything I do behind the scenes. You know, I, I, when I, when I do a, do a song, it sounds so smooth and so natural and like off the cuff behind that, there is days and days of, of painstaking work, writing, memorizing, refining, honing, editing. I mean, I, I definitely, um, I don't do anything off the cuff. I don't do anything that's just spontaneous. I really, I'm a deep thinker, not a quick thinker. And I spend a lot of time on, on all my work. Now, how did you write the, did you write the apartheid and Hamas videos by yourself? I did. Yeah, I did. Those are works of art. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely incredible. Wow. And I am a songwriter. I'm a professional songwriter. This is what I do for a living. I've written hundreds of songs in my life. And uh, I thought that was so spot on and done so tastefully. It wasn't aggressive. It wasn't angry. It wasn't mean. It was just straight up. I mean, the message is so clear. You, you did such a good job presenting that. I think, yeah, I think far too much of the awareness campaigns that, that, that go on they just end up preaching to the choir because they have the wrong tone. They have an aggressive tone or they have an arrogant tone. Um, and so, so much of, of the, the Israel media that gets created, even if it's really high budget and, and well done, 
it's ends up missing the mark in terms of what its goal is because it doesn't actually sway any hearts and minds. I come I come from a very liberal left wing background, and I know the way that 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 people on the left think and. I lean to the left in a lot of areas. And, and that's, the, that's the side that needs to realize supporting Israel is not a right-wing, left-wing thing. It's, it's, it's really just emis. It's just truth. You know, this is where we are. I just posted actually a song uh, yesterday, uh, just a clip. It was pretty, you know, pretty, uh, just me walking between Shul and my house. I just posted a little clip, but posted on TikTok. And it's about how Jews are an indigenous people. We... Uh, we have indigenous rights also. And when you when you come at people from a more universal perspective like that, you actually have the power to reach them and to, to have a conversation and connect with them instead of just fighting with them. Right. Not I am better than you, but we are the same. You and I are the same. And in this world, we can all live peacefully side by side but we have to recognize yeah and just like one. you just like you want to have your indigenous rights jews we also want to have our indigenous rights and that shouldn't be something that is uh you know a big international scandal that is just basic decency of you know living on this planet in the modern day now how does the nazir affect all that you know my rosh yeshiva he always jokes that uh naziris gives me like super rapping powers I don't know about that. I was already writing songs uh, before I took on the vow. So, you know, I was making music. Like I said, I was Makarov through Tehillim because I was already a songwriter at that point. So I'd already been writing songs for seven years. And I like to think they were pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but certainly a lot of the deeper um, Torah related songs have only come after I took on that vow. So is there a connection? I can't say for sure. I can't say that. Um, who knows? I might have been able to write songs that are just as good without being a Nazir. But it also is possible that. Listen, I think it makes you cooler and more. Yeah. Uh, and, and just more intriguing. So it's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely working for One your persona. Thing that is nice. It's almost the, the inverse side of, you know, you know, even though a modern Orthodox school might be afraid of me because of my long hair. The flip side of that is that I'm actually often get invited to um to conservative and reform uh synagogues and for example this weekend i'm going to be doing a bbyo shabbaton um which is a you know a a youth group that's you know affiliated with the reform movement in in the united states and they would never invite just your typical black hat rabbi they would never do it i mean that's like totally way crazy for them um, so I think actually the fact that I have long hair, they're like, oh, oh, he's kind of cool. He's like, you know, makes you more yeah, approachable, more makes you more approachable. You know, so yeah. This guy's not in the box to open their door and invite me in to, you know, teach their kids. Um, I think because I have long hair. So it's like that, that, right. that Naziris does give me that, um, ability to, to get into some places that I think your typical Orthodox Jew would not be welcome. Right. I love that you embrace the Kirov part of your mission here on this earth now that you've discovered all of Yiddishkeit, the written and the oral and the Hasidus. Um, and I also just totally relate to the whole the whole thing where you commit to something that 
you know, makes everybody crazy, like moving to Israel and, and living in a war zone and, and, and being yeah. far away and all, all those things that I did. But, you know, I couldn't I couldn't express it. It was like one day Aliyah wasn't on the agenda. The next day I'm making Aliyah and I'm going to take one step at a time, put one foot in front in front of the other and Hashem will guide me and bring me. I don't know how it's going to be, but it's going to be an adventure and it's going to be a meaningful spiritual one. So yeah. I totally can relate. And we and we have similar hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that I got from that post, you know, from the responses was that even though there aren't that many Nazirim, although if a bunch of Nazirim did comment on the post, you know, I, I met a bunch of Nazirim who are out there who are like, ah, oh, you guys have a WhatsApp yeah, group we got now? A little, we got a little Nazir posse now. So, so that was like the, uh, it. you know, calling on Nazir post, I guess. Um, because yeah, there were a half dozen Nazirim that I've, I'm connected to now that I didn't know about. There you go. There you go. But uh, more than that, uh, many people on that post who have no connection to Naziris, they related to it from a from the perspective of just feeling othered, you know, by by their communities, whether it was converts or Jews of color or Balchuvas, people, you know, who in one way or another they um aren't aren't feeling fully embraced in in whatever you know um community they are in because, because of, of their yeah, because of their appearance judged. it's not the long hair it's it's you know maybe it's the way they dress or it's their skin color or it um their history people know you know where they came from and and it's zero reflection on their neshama exactly, or where they're holding exactly. or their connection and, to Hashem or their I think observance the key, the key point and the thing that was so painful to me about it is like to be judged solely on your the chitzonius, you know, because what what's Yiddishkeit all about is it's about the panemius. That's what it's all about, right? It's all about you know us us realizing that this whole this whole universe is just a garment that's concealing godliness. Everything that we're seeing is all is all a, a concealment of godliness, and our whole goal as Jews is to is to see past that, right, and to see that really. It's Hashem running everything behind the scenes. And yet here we are, the, the establishments that's raising our youth, that's that's raising the next generation, is going to make a decision that's so obviously based on Chesonius, that's so obviously based on forsaking the Panemius in favor of the Chesonius. Yeah, I'm so curious what my audience is going to say to this. We have a WhatsApp group, and I'm sure it's going to spark a conversation. I am very inspired. I thought that the post was beautifully written and expressed. I'm a big fan of your music. And uh, now that I've spoken to you about for about 45 minutes, you know, you're my pal. You're my brother. So uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, yeah, yeah, let's hang. Next time yeah. I come to Israel, we'll have to... I mean, a woman could be a Nazir too. It's not like I don't drink. Honestly, I don't drink. So first of all, that's another misconception. I drink, you know, sometimes pretty heavily. I just stay away from the grape products. All I, right. I, yeah, yeah. Nazirs are allowed to drink. We can have we can have whiskey. We can have tequila. We can have beer. <laughs> it's just the wine that we can't have. Well, if you're interested, you can reach out to Ari and he can set you up with the Nazir community and you can see if it's a lifestyle meant for you. Otherwise, you could just enjoy his music. Follow him on TikTok. I'm going to put links in my show notes. Keep up the inspiration and the great uh, little reels and and videos and shorts and what are we doing these days tiktoks and instagrams it just never ends but you know keep using the gashmias for a good reason and it'll bring bracha into your life thank you very much ari thank you Thanks for being so here. much for having me really a pleasure 
So there you have it. Episode 102 of the Weekly Squeeze. Don't forget to purchase Tovito for the little ones in your life. Donate to Israel 365 and help the Holocaust survivors in Israel. And of course, leave me a five-star rating and, you know, a comment in my show notes. Always nice to hear from you guys. And I will see you on Monday.